0: This is Comic Picks by the Glick. Hey, and I'm your host Jason Glick. Hey. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about doing a a whole year in review of all the comics I read, but I read a a metric fuck ton of comics monthly paperbacks each year, so it's kind of like, oh god, where do I even begin? So maybe I'll put something up on on our site about that later on. But but for now, it's like I just figured, you know, just like with the new year coming. I'm sure I talk about like you know certain trends and all this stuff. I'm I'm looking. I'd like to see. It's probably not going to happen, but I would like to see it anyway. But first off, I want to sign off about um, the all the price changes that are coming down the pipeline for Marvel and DC because it's been mentioned many times on various internet sites. Like Marvel and DC are experimenting with raising a lot of their um like core books from $2.99. Three ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Now DC, like they, I think they're doing most of their big event books, like Final Crisis, at three ninety nine. But um, Marvel, like they've just been keeping put for recently. They put three ninety nine as a price point for a big, high profile miniseries like Garth Ennis's Punisher War Zone and um, Brian Michael Bendis's um, huge mega crossover um, Secret Invasion. Now it's like it, when I've heard from Marvel, the rationalization Marvel is doing this is you are gonna like have the certain core titles, you know. Titles are key to understanding the uh, o- the overarching story of Mar- the Marvel Universe as it is right now. Those are going to be three ninety nine. So if you want to know the story, you got to pay pay up three ninety nine for that. Mm. Yeah, and that and by doing so, Marvel will be able to keep all the uh, three ninety nine, all the two ninety nine books, like all the mid mid range sellers and all like at two ninety nine. Of course, doesn't account for the fact that you know like with all the um a lot of the people who are going to pay the three ninety nine um for all these other books. They're probably gonna just have to like, cut cut out a lot of their a lot of the mid list t- money they're saving for the mid list titles to buy these three 390- ninety all the three ninety nine nine books. Mm. But you see that's that's not gonna be me because I look at this, I hear all this debate about oh, we're raising prices and all in this um recession economy. I hear this stuff and I laugh. I laugh so hard and loud Because <laughs> I don't buy any of these books. It's like I just I just sit back and just buy the wait for the trade paperback. Best yeah. of all, it's the, I get twenty percent. I get twenty percent off or more if I want to get it through Amazon. But my comic shop gives twenty percent off, so like, I'm already saving, mo- saving money by not buying the the monthly issues. I mean, oh god, man, it's like what? I mean, like raising it. I mean, like it's not even like a gradual spike, you know? From two ninety nine to, say, three twenty five. You know, that'd be fine. You can see, I, like, you what you're, you're gonna wean. Your 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 customer base like um up to paying guy three ninety nine over the course of several years but no you're just gonna jump it right up to there and you're just gonna like I I just fear it's gonna be like a huge mistake I mean I've heard talk that one of the other reasons Marvel is doing this is to you know turn people onto more to their digital tr- distribution methods because oh, okay, like really? yeah because you cut out like the, the um the costs of um pay- of like you know printing and stuff then yeah I guess it's it's cheaper like by going online but I haven't really bothered like with any kind of digital distribution stuff. I mean, my digital distribution source is BitTorrent, and that's only for titles that I can't get um, like through through conventional means, like mm. like say uh, Grant Morrison's Flex Mentallo miniseries, which has been mired in um, legal disputes, um, due, thanks to the um, thanks to the estate of Charles Atlas. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, but you know, it's like uh, as for all the. Uh, all the price raisings going on for the month- monthly comic books, just, I say, just, just follow money. just stop buying them. Just wait for the trade paperback. Who knows? Maybe Marvel just eventually decide. hey, maybe we'll just go, just sell the trade paperbacks. Just skewer the monthly format. We'll just go trade paperbacks um, directly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's never going to happen. But mm-hmm. I, 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 I see Marvel just, Marvel's publishing wing going under before that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, but, I don't know, as far as regular comic books... News goes. One of the things I hope I hope for next year is that Ultimate Spider-Man stays the way it is because the Marvel, the Ultimate Marvel Universe, which is now consists consists of um, like the the ulti- ultimate 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 Spider-Man, Ultimate X Men, Ultimate Fantastic Four has its own crossover going on right now called Ultimate. Adam because a lot of the there's no one really pays attention to the Ultimate Marvel Universe anymore because it's no longer the bright shiny new thing that it once was and sales for. Um, Ultimate X-Men, Ultimate Fantastic Four just gone straight down the crapper. Mm. Now, one of the reasons you could argue that is because they've, Marvel has been saddling B-List creators. Now, no disrespect to Robert Kirkman and Mike Carey, who've been handling Ultimate X-Men and Ultimate Fantastic Four, like, well, recently before they were taken on by guys who used to write for heroes. Um, but one of the reasons that the Ultimate Universe was successful for, the, for as long as it was is because Marvel just went to the effort of getting like big A-List creators, you know, the creator of the cropped... Tackling people like you know, like people like Bendis who's still writing Ultimate Spider-Man. It's still the healthiest um, Ult- Ultimate title. It's still the only Spider-Man title you need to buy. And all, but and you also got um, Bendis ben, Bendis working on um, Ultimate Fantastic Four. Also t- with all stints by Warren Ellis, Mark Miller, and um, Ultimate X-Men. Also having additional stints by Bendis and um Brian Vaughn. and. Well, it's like now, but since ever since they went to slightly less, less, um, lower wattage creators. I mean, like the story's been all right. Well, Kirkman, Kirkman did all right with Ultimate X, and Carrie was very hit or miss with, um, with Ultimate Fantastic Four. But I was like, with with the um, the Ultimate crossover, basically, they're just gonna like like destroy the the Ultimate Universe. Like, thanks to, like, um, Magneto and Doctor Doom, from what I hear, but uh, I can't care, because all I've heard so far is that um, it's written by Jeff Loeb, who's done some good stuff in the past with um, his Batman books, um, Long Long Halloween and Dark Victory, and some of his other DC stuff, but all I've heard about his stuff that he's done for Marvel, like Wolverine Evolution and um, Ultimates Volume 3, is that it's utter shit. So I'm not going to bother with that stuff, because, you know, it's like, there's a certain curiosity, train wreck curiosity factor that you have, where you want to, you no, know, I hear this book is so fucking awful that you know I want to buy it to see how awful it is. But then you look, you hear about, it, no, it's really fucking awful, so I don't want to know. I want to spend the money to find out how bad, bad it is. You know, it's it's like a double edged thing. It's the same reason I haven't watched um, Batman and Robin yet. Batman and Robin the movie? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah, it, that's a really bad movie. <laughs> yeah, but. I was it's like, getting back to the point, like, Ultimate is supposed to change the Ultimate Universe forever, which is basically, it's just like a um, big crossover, to, like, get people back more interested in the Ultimate Universe again, so they can relaunch Ultimate X-Men and Ultimate Fantastic Four. Now, all I just hope is that um, Bendis just just keeps, like, steadying the ship, um, staying the course for Ultimate Spider-Man, because he's done such a great job so far, and... I've heard that they basically they're just gonna they're not gonna relaunch it. It's still gonna be the same. It Seems to always mean it's gonna tie into Ultimatum, but it's not going to like have that. It's not gonna like have its its course drastically re altered. So mm-hmm. like, here's so, here's something that remains just as good into the new year, like free of all this crossover bullshit. Anyway, but oh, I sort of stuff that I that's probably never gonna happen. I which mean, is Marvel just get just get rid of their their premiere editions because I've. Now, I've probably bitched you about this before, John, but Marvel's premier editions, for those of you who don't know, it's basically, like, they'll put out, like, a hardcover edition of a certain high-profile tile, like New Avengers, Mighty Avengers, or the aforementioned Wolverine um, Evolution. Right. In uh, in hardcover, like, about a month or two, right after it comes out. Now, then, about three or four months later, then they'll put out the regular trade paperback edition uh, after knocking about five bucks off the cover price. I don't know. This just drives me nuts because... It seems like you're like, almost trying to get get people to pay um, twice for the same thing, and it's. But really, what it seems like it's like, it's kind of a stopgap for for like their trade paperback programming. Like by paying by putting out the trade paperbacks so close to um, the conclusion of the original storylines, they risk um, having the audience just try and follow just follow the uh, the trade paperbacks instead of the instead of the monthly issues. The problem the problem with a lot of Marvel's premier edition stuff is that it's they're kind of devaluing the hardcover format with a lot of the stuff they put in there. So they're always putting it out in hardcover. Yeah, a lot a lot of the major stuff. I mean, like some of the like, regular titles like um, like Daredevil, um, various... Like Daredevil, other Wolverine titles, um, Ultimate Spider-Man, they don't put in... They just go straight to payback. But a lot of the stuff they put in tar- hardcover. I mean, hardcover is supposed to be like a prestige format by itself. I mean, this is stuff you want to have last forever. I mean, like... I am proud I can say I'm proud to own the next wave, Agents of Hate, Premier Hardcovers. Cause I I can tell you this is a series that I want to own, own in hardcover because it's it is so goddamn awesome. I don't want to have everyone to say, hey, you know what this series is so so great, they put it in hardcover. Mm-hmm. But when you put it next to like stuff like Wolverine Evolution, then it's like it kinda like, well, you know, like, it's Marvel, they'll put anything in hardcover, you know? Mm-hmm. That's that's the problem right there. Mm-hmm. I mean it's like and really I'd just rather just put stuff in softcover, like, you know, say three or Three or four months after, like once they've had a, like sufficient lead time on the next storyline before they, before they collect the ser- series. But it's been working out great for Marvel so far, so I don't see them changing it, changing it at this point so far. Mm. Yeah, but I don't know, as far as more interesting stuff goes, I see. I'm looking forward to like I just keep looking forward to like any new and interesting, new and weird manga that are come that are come out in the next year or so. Like okay. specifically from the from Viz's um signet. Uh, yeah, this is um signature edition Im- imprint. Like this is this is the imprint that brought brought you Monster, Gogo Go Thirteen, and also it's not bringing you Vagabond, mm-hmm. and also some other great stuff like um like Inuyasha stuff that, that you couldn't that really um, no other company could could bring you unless they were um making um Naruto money, which is uh, which is what <laughs> Viz is making right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a license for that. Oh yeah, Viz is um yeah for the distributor so- for the manga. Hmm? The distributor for the manga. Yeah, Viz is um the, this is the um, the English is the English front for um for um Shogakukan and Shueisha. Oh, like okay. Like they teamed up recently, and it's like now Viz <coughs> has has a license to print like every shoot and jump manga ever ever made, which is basically a license to print money over here. Gotcha. Yeah, and so fortunately, Viz. I get to think that a lot of Viz's editors, a lot of Viz's editors, see um are kind of grateful in a sense to uh, the success for um. For like a lot of the um, a lot of the Shonen Jump stuff, a lot or less a lot of their younger styles that skew younger. That, in a sense that they make so much money that they can put out stuff, stuff like all the stuff in the uh, in the Signature series that that I probably won't that well that sells sweet fuck all. Mm. So. Yeah, yeah, it's so, got a pretty big following. So yeah, and yeah, it's it's what you're saying is it's basically like an insurance policy. It's, yeah, you know, there's it's it's locked in its fan base. Yeah, I think yeah. Well, yeah, Well, this is post strategy. It's basically fo- probably focused more towards you know actually you know making money. Mm-hmm. But I like the fact that they're all... that like a lot of their staff seems like wants to like use every opportunity they can to try and push um, new and weird weird stuff out there. So to that end, I'm looking forward to the the English versions of Na- Naoki Urasawa, creator of Monster, his new works, mm-hmm. well, not quite new works, but because they've been out in Japan for years, but on um, 21st Century Boys and Pluto. Pluto, which is interesting, because it's based off an Astro Boy story um, by Osamu Tezuka, and, he j- and it's one of those rare, rare cases, because while it's business as usual for, for an American creator to tackle someone else's creation in American comics, this stuff doesn't happen at all in Japan, because everything is creator-owned there. So for um, Urasawa to get this chance to take his spin his own tale based on Tezuka's creation, it's that's a big deal. And all the stuff I've heard so far is that it's brilliant. And my only complaint about this so far is, I mean, it's probably gonna be the same bi monthly release format, which is, well, yeah, I realize that they have to do that because like you can't just put out stuff every month or else like the audience couldn't afford it. But me though, is like I would, I'd gladly cut them a check for everything if they put it out right now. Sure. Yeah. So you have other titles. I, I hope to God that this is the year we that announced that um, Yotsuba, Yotsubato finds another home. Yeah, yeah, because really? yeah, because um, John, because I know John reads this, and um, we we are we are fed up to death the fact that ADV has ah, they say that they, they've like ADV has got into so much trouble on their. Um, Anime, anime publishing wing, and also like that, at the um, the their manga publishing stuff has fallen right off the face of the earth, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we've got um, we had like, I think that the last thing they published was like a volume of Cromartier, like yeah. late last, early last year, mm-hmm. and like now you've got, now you got Yoshimoto. I mean, the ones that everyone loves, it still sells well, I mean. They they're just not they they're too busy getting their all the eggs in their um, manga basket mm-hmm. in in a row before they take take care of this. I mean it's like, God, people like shit or get off the pot. Yeah. It's like yeah, you thought you could do anything, but now you can't. and Now you're, like, you're just holding on to this, like in the vain hope that you'll eventually get out to publishing it eventually. I believe the Japanese is up to volume nine at least. Yeah, and, they, yeah. and I don't think they've released anything past volume four. And getting them to produce volume. Four. Oh, volume five. Volume. Um, they stopped after volume three. There's a huge delay. Then came volume four. Then volume five. Yeah. And it's been over a year now, I think, since five came out. <sighs> and well, basically, my big hope is that someone. I mean, Viz, Del Rey, Dark Horse. I don't know. Dark Horse. I think would probably would probably benefit most from getting this title because they're. I've heard them saying the them saying in the past that they want to try and get a new... They're trying to, like... They're always trying to move away from being, you know, the blood and the guts publisher. I mean, it's... That, that form has worked out for, very well for them so far because they've always found, like, intelligent titles that are extremely gory and violent. Mm-hmm. But um, about 2, I think it'd be, it'd be a good game-changer for them if they could get their hands on it. But mm-hmm. I can't remember if it... I'm pretty sure it's, it's a Kodansha title. So that means... It could, like I said, it could still go to Dark Horse, but might also go to Del Rey or Kodansha. Could be in itself for its. Well, Kodansha was supposed to launch their own English language manga imprint this year, but now it's the new year and nothing's happened yet. Mm-hmm. So it's up in the air. Yeah. Anyway, oh well, I guess I'm. I've rambled on long enough, so like my final hope for for next year oh yeah. I also want I also hope that the um, prison arc wraps up in Blade of the Immortal with the uh, forthcoming um Demon Lair Volume Two, Volume 21, actually. So, I mean it's yet to be solicited outside of the fact that it's it was meant it was um mentioned in the last volume of, of Blade of the Immortal, demon Demon Lair Volume 1, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I hope my um, final hope for this new year is that um Peter Milligan's run on Hellblazer is good. Because while I, I talked a little while ago about Andy Diggle's run on Hellblazer, and he was talking about his final arc, and that uh, it, his final arc wasn't bad, but you really had to be um, versed in old school Hellblazer mythology, like I am, to get some kind of enjoyment out of it. And really, I it's, it's more interesting for what he, to see what he was trying to do than for what he actually wound up doing. So, so Milligan, who's one of the old-school Vertigo founders with um, his Shade the Changing Man title, he's done lots and lots of stuff over the, uh, with Vertigo for years. I mean, he's, it's been a while since he was there, and the last major thing he did was was the Human Target series, which is great. And um, he's coming back to do Hellblazer. I mean, he's never done John Constantine in his... Well, he's never written Hellblazer before. I think he might have written John Constantine in Shade the Changing Man, but I have to go back and check. But still, like, I mean, he's got a great quirky sensibility... And he's also like got that old school Vertigo um, flair to him that might that'll probably hopefully serve him serve him well in the title. So like the story he did in Hellblazer 250 was was decent enough. So I'm looking forward to seeing seeing how he goes in the new title. Okay, with that uh, that's that's my hopes for the new year. All right. And well, hopefully like as as always, hopefully hope for a better year better this year than than it was last. But you know, with comics with American comics, I mean, it's just fun seeing. Seeing where Marvel and DC, how how much they're going to screw up this year, and then seeing and just counting the days until to all the manga companies take over the bookstores entirely. <laughs> okay, with that, we'll see you later. All right.